Throughout its history, people have found this place disquieting. Strange and unexplained phenomena run rampant, so much so that it's been called the city that lives by night. And the city that lives by night needs a darker form of protector. Black Talon. Please don't kill me! You tell them all, Nocturne is the Talon's hunting ground. Your kind had best look elsewhere for prey. Nightbreaker. What was this? Some sort of joke? No! Gloria, this sounds crazy, I know, but she did shoot me. Something happened. I'm still not sure what, but people don't recognize unless I truly concentrate on their wanting to see me. It's like I'm invisible. Fairyman. The ghost you refer to have done more for me than you two have. They've given me my sight back. <laughs> They've given me better than my sight back. Dreamcatcher. Witches, warlocks, mages, magicians, shamans. Call us what you like. It's all the same. We've helped when we can, eluded those too ignorant to understand that magic isn't evil. And it's made us sensitive to others who have magic running in their veins. A quartet of heroes standing together must face a new menace. This can be painless, you know. You ain't putting the front on me, Slag. Just take your shot, yeah? I was hoping you'd say that. Who is going to use the roughest elements of the city? You that rose red bitch? That's right. I'm not even mad at you for adding the bitch part. Because I am. And I know you guys are some of the nastiest, toughest, roughest, meanest bastards in this town. Am I right? Yeah! Yeah. Good, because I have need of you. To send this city... Come on! This ends tonight. Down New Roads to Hell. New Roads to Hell, the first Shadow Legion adventure by Thomas DJ. A new novel coming soon from Airship 27. For more information, including character sketches and behind-the-scenes information... Visit the Nocturne Travel Agency at welcometonocturne.blogspot.com and airship27.com. Sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Walking Dead. Hello and welcome to Walking Dead Wednesday number 19. I'm Chris Honeywell. And I am here with, once again, from work, Sean Engel. Hey, everyone. How's it going? 
And once again, Dr. William Robinson. Sweet Jesus, don't leave me here. <laughs> I never begged you before. I never begged you. I ain't begging you now. And uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're still talking Walking Dead TV show. This time, it's episode three. What is it like? Tell it to the frog or something? Tell it to the tell frogs. Tell it to the frogs. Tell it to the so, Tell it to the frogs. Hi ho, we're all on the roof here. They're gonna they're gonna find their rainbow connection here. They tried to eat my brain. <laughs> yeah, Shane found the rainbow connection with uh Carl's husband's face with his fist. <laughs> <laughs> he made some connections, yes. Uh, There's this a time lot out connections made in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> His face will be all the colors of the rainbow. When well, the, it's the color, colors of like purple and blue <laughs> and red, yeah. Uh, this time out, I've got the synopsis. Uh, like like you guys said, it was uh, episode three entitled Tell It to the Frogs. Uh, the story opens with a rambling Merle still handcuffed to the pipe on top of the department store the group was trapped in. Uh, he suddenly breaks out of his sun-baked stupor and tries to rest himself out of the cups, all the while calling to Jesus to save him. And as if miracles truly happened, the one who has risen from the dead answers his wishes and tries to open the chain, jo- chain door to the roof to get at him. Too bad it's not our Lord and Savior Jesus, but just another zombie who probably isn't too keen on bestowing the Holy Spirit on Merle. I just want to stop you right there and say that's one of the greatest lines in the synopsis ever. <laughs> Well, just another yeah. zombie. <laughs> it's not that zombie. special zombie, but just your yeah. Just your running yeah. the bill well, zombie. Awesome. Let's just it. put a little smiley face next to that one. Think about it, folks. Jesus rose from the dead. Think about it. <laughs> Greatest okay. zombie ever. Okay. Yeah. You know, it would be awesome if, you know, instead of, you know, blessing people and uh, and doing imbuing, imbuing them with the Holy Spirit, he uh, tried to eat their brains. But, you know, there you go. <laughs> and I'm going it to It would sure that. make mass a different <laughs> thing these days if that was the case. <laughs> uh, God, I'm going to have to go to confessional this weekend. Oh. Um, the handcuffed cracker starts to curse the person he was recently asking salvation from as he uses his belt to try and get at the dropped hacksaw left on the roof as the untad pound on the chain door. Meanwhile, Rick and the survivors are heading back to the camp, sans Merle, which might be a problem with his brother Daryl. At the camp, Lori is giving Carl a haircut while Shane tries to play foster dad until the conversation is interrupted by the arrival of Glenn and his souped-up Dodge Charger, with the alarm still going off. The survivors confront him and ask him where the rest of the group is, and on cue, Rick pulls up in the work truck with the remaining survivors. Carl and Lori run to the man that they both thought was dead as Shane looks on, trying to cover the fact that he was boning Lori in the woods last episode. Later that night, Rick waxes poetic around the campfire with the survivors as Lori tells him about how they were forced to leave him while he was still in a coma. Shane is feeling a bit peeved and matters are made worse when Carol's husband, who I'm going to refer to as Dickweed McZombie Bait, tries to build a larger fire in defiance of Shane's rules to try and keep a low profile. After a polite word with Carol and Sophia, Shane rejoins the group to discuss what they're going to do about Daryl, who won't be thrilled to hear, hear that his brother was handcuffed to a pipe on the roof of a zombie-infested department store. The group tries to justify what they did, but in the end, T-Dog says that the door to the roof was chained shut, so it's likely that Merle is still alive, 
and that is on their consciences. Cut then, cut then to Rick and Lori's tent, where Rick is telling his son that he's found him, and that now that he has, he'll never let him go. Rick tells the same to Lori, and she tries to apologize for all the bad times between them. But none of that matters now, as they have a second chance at being together, and Rick reclaims the wedding ring Lori was keeping around her neck. Rick also reclaims territorial rights to Lori's vagina as the two engage in the little marital coupling while Shane sits and watches and stews. The next morning, Rick awakens and sees the normal goings-on at the camp. After watching Carol iron his clothes and Dale strip Glenn's car for fuel and parts, Rick approaches Lori with the prospect of going to get Merle. Lori, of course, thinks that it's an awful idea, but she isn't able to expand on it as they hear frightened cries from Carl and Sophia. The group rushes out to see what's happened, and the children find a lone walker gnawing on a just-killed deer. Bambi! <laughs> Poor Bambi. The men dispatch the walker, and Dale comments that the undead usually don't make it up this far up the mountain. Moments later, Daryl emerges from the woods, royally pissed that the deer he was tracking ended up food for the zombie. And as the decapitated head starts to move, Daryl plugs it with a crossbow bolt, telling the assemble that you have to destroy the brain. Everybody knows that stupid haven't you guys watched any romero movies uh. entering the camp daryl calls for his brother when shane tells him about merle's plight this does not go well with daryl as he's a bit upset and tries to knife rick but after calming after a calming choco hold he agrees to listen to their story rick relates the tale of what happened with merle and offers to go back to the store and try and rescue him and glenn and t-dog are coming along for the ride despite the protest protestations the group head out to get merle the bag of guns, and a walkie-talkie to communicate with Morgan and Dwayne. Arriving outside the city, the quartet head for the location where Merle was left, while at the camp, the women reminisce on the luxuries that they gave up as Lori confronts Shane about where he stands in his relationship with her. At the same time, Dick B. McZombiebait has taken his time to be a misogynistic prick and argue with Andrea and slap Carol. This riles the already steamed Shane, and he takes Dickweed and pounds the living shit out of him much to the horror of the onlooking women. Back in Atlanta, the group breaks the lock on the door and rushes onto the roof, only to find that Merle is gone, the handcuff still in place, and his severed hand resting right beneath it. So, there you go. Oh, wow. Hands across the water, water. <laughs> Hands across the roof. All I gotta say is every time you said Survivor in the beginning, all I could uh, picture was that uh, was that Ryan commercial. Tiger. Yeah, but <laughs> but the Starbucks commercial where they had the Survivor guys were following the guy out of the you know they go Glenn, 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 Glenn. Glenn. Never mind. Oh I guess God, that fun. You remember that commercial? No. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It. Yeah, it was like. Yeah. I was following him around. Uh, I can't remember what it was for, though. It shows you how effective that commercial was. <laughs> yeah, I I think it was for Starbucks, and every time a different guy came out, they would follow him and they would sing his name. Like, they were his own theme song. Yeah. Oh, I think It'll be so, song, man. something to look up on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I know, for all those people who don't have anything to look up on the internet. Like um, spring vinegar at chemtrails. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> One thing you mentioned in there is, you know, haven't they haven't they seen any of the Romero movies? And that's something I always think when I'm watching a non-Romero zombie something is, 
does Night of Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead, do they all exist in this universe? <laughs> you know? Well, that's the thing. They they never really refer to them as zombies. And only Daryl in this one episode seems to know that you have to destroy their brains in order to off them. I mean, the rest of the group are hacking at them and hitting them with, you know, uh, tire irons and stuff. Hitting and them across the back Daryl. and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's not until Dale chops off his head that the zombie's dispatched, but that eventually the head still is still animated and trying to move around, and it's it's Daryl who comes by and plugs him with a crossbow bolt and suddenly ends it, and then he pulls it out and says, "You got to destroy the brain." Everyone knows that, yeah. so it makes me think that you know that Dale knows that these are actual you know kind of Romero zombies rather than just strange diseased people or whatever. Bam. The only movie so far that's ever, the only non-Romero one that ever addressed that was uh, Return of the Living Dead. Had that whole sequence where they were like, oh yeah, Night of the Living Dead, that was based on a real incident, you know. And that whole thing. It's the only thing that I ever tried to put that into continuity or reference it or, or what. Yeah, but was, was that movie actually, because I thought that was a, kind of a different thing than the Romero movies. That That was kind of sort of a sci-fi spoof uh, that was written by, I think it was written by the guy who did Alien, Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, it was, was Dan O'Bannon. I think he directed it, too. It might have been, yeah. And uh, But, yeah, there's a whole sequence at the beginning where they where they go, remember Night of the Living Dead, you know, that whole movie? And, mm-hmm. and well, well, it was based on, you know, a government cover-up that, of something that really happened, and George Romero got wind of it and based the movie on it as a way to tell people and then when the zombies come to life, they're just like, you got to cut off its head, you know? So, you know, they're, they're trying to follow the rules of the Romero movies, which don't work in this universe. In that oh, yeah, that's universe, right. Because it's hilarious. They, they start cutting off. They cut off the head and the body just stood up and started running around, mm-hmm. which was one of the most hilarious scenes I've ever seen in a movie theater. And that's when people started walking out of the theater also. But... um. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but they didn't like the half dissected dog that oh. was still moving. Ugh. I did. <laughs> and all the pin butterflies moving in the case. Uh huh. <laughs> didn't matter if they'd been baked in formaldehyde. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I always, I that's that's something I always wonder when I see one of those zombie movies. Is you know. Where are the people who are just like, okay, I've watched all the Romero movies, I'm ready, you know? And they're do, there, so... Do they ever really call them zombies? I'm just trying to think. They always refer to them as walkers. Yeah, walkers or lurkers or roamers or whatever. It's, yeah. And it's, yeah, geeks. Oh, and, and yeah, that's... yeah. In the book and in the, the show, it's never really referred to as zombies. And I don't know why i don't know whether there's just some sort of stigma that comes along with it well, being it was, a zombie it was funny when we watched um world war z there's a uh, a scene where somebody finally refers to them as zombies and you can see everybody around them sort of go like oh really we want to call them zombies and then they're just like i guess they sort of are you know so in that movie there was an acknowledgement of zombies in pop culture but yeah, I always find it funny that like, even though you know, zombie movies are traditionally either 
completely unrealistic or go for gritty realism. But at the same time, they, they, they're going to do like, well, we better ignore zombies and pop culture, you know, mm-hmm. and have it be a fresh new but idea you, to everybody. You, you kind of have to at least yeah. take the fact that, you know, if if the dead are actually coming back to life, this is pretty much the same thing that happens in, you know, the George Romero movies or. Well, it's part like I think talk- it's part of the genre. Yeah. yeah. Is people have to have that that part where they figure out, you know, they figure out the rules of the zombies you know and every movie has its own slight it's just like vampires you know you can have all your own internal rules about what will kill them or how fast they move or any of that stuff how shiny and sparkly they are they're not shiny and sparkly (laughs) Uh, they're shiny and sparkly you know when the sun hits them and they burst into flame that's about the only time they shine and sparkle zombies zombies shine and sparkle in the sunlight but that's because they're like um fat layer of fat has turned to liquid and (laughs) the skin has started to slide off and so they have a nice liquidy gloss on them Ooh, i'll make a pretty zombie (laughs) (laughs) i make me a pretty zombie um one thing, my big, di- I, I remember my feeling of disappointment with this episode was I got this sneaky suspicion that one, once we saw Merle's hand, that that was like going to be the last we saw of him, at least for a long time. And I was right. Yeah. But I love, you know, I mean, he's a loathsome character. But well, come we on, see- I want to watch. My- he was. Anybody's sympathetic when they're chained to a pipe and zombies are about to eat them, you know. But I mean, I just, you know, it's just pure fun to watch Michael Rooker act. Well, we did get get to see him not. Well, I mean, he was on the show again, but he was uh, a hallucination of Daryl's uh, in season two, and then, but he actually came back back in season three. Well, he's an expensive actor to have on the show, you know, he's usually a movie actor, so that that was another thing, is when I saw him in the in, in the last episode, I thought to myself, ooh, he's not gonna be around long, he's expensive, man, you can't, you know, yeah. you know, sometimes actors like that will turn to TV, but Rooker seems... You know, I would if I were him, I'd be sticking with movies as much as possible. So, well, and plus you get the fact, you know, him being pretty much the the biggest named actor in the cast that he was either going to just be there for a little while or he was going to play a greater role in the, yeah. in the show. And yeah. you know, there was a lot of speculation at this point in time that uh, he was probably going to become the governor, and it oh, it yeah. kind of made sense because of him losing his hand and the governor, you know you know getting his hand chopped off you know in the in the comic you know granted it was by michonne but still you know well, it it, it kind of gave you that idea and that was yeah, that would have been it, that sort of seemed, interesting concept and it seemed like that was the obvious thing to do because it it was sort of a little and pun intended shorthand <laughs> of of the character <laughs> where and instead of michonne doing it it would give the character a little extra um grudge against rick and it would also give him a little extra motivation for to cut the Rick's comics when, when he cuts Rick's hand off. So I thought it was a perfect setup for him to be the governor. But 
goddamn Kirkman. He's a sneaky one. He likes to he likes to set things up and he likes to play th- you know, he likes to play with your expectations and and keep you guessing and then make sure that all your guesses are pretty much wrong. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So and and, the, and they pulled it off really well in the in this first season. You you it, it followed the book well enough, but there were so there were little divergences in there that just uh, kept you wanting to see where it was going to go. Well, so uh, you know it, it it for for a person who read the comic, it was really enjoyable because I was seeing what I so loved in the comic get put to the to the TV screen and adapted really well. And for my wife, who watched it along with me, it was really enjoying, enjoyable for her because she was getting to see a really good, well-acted story, and uh, you know she was get to meet these interesting characters in you know uh, a way that you know w- was very rarely portrayed on uh, even uh, not not only network TV but cable TV as well. Yeah, and and one good thing about the exit of Merle, me it. it it equals the entrance of Daryl mm-hmm. and who ends up speaking of like, you know, deviating from the storyline. Daryl's a character who was not in the comics at all in any way, shape or form. He's a, he's a brand new character and has ended up becoming one of the more popular characters of the, and appealing characters of the, the series. And yeah, that's uh, surprising. I thought T dog would be the breakout character. That's sarcasm. <laughs> you well, T Dog was there for a long time. <clears throat> yeah, they kept him busy too. But <laughs> I and and I like how they I like how they set up. You know, Daryl's not going to be happy about this. His brother Daryl's out hunting, and he's going to come back. And you're thinking, uh, especially after meeting Merle, you know, what is going to come back? You know. And Daryl is pissed and unruly about it when he comes back, but you start seeing that he's has a lot more redemptive characteristics than than Merle, and you start seeing his skill set coming into play. And he does get pissed. Oh yeah, and then Shane puts him in a chokehold. It's like (laughs) chokeholds. That's illegal. (laughs) Really, dude. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, write, write a complaint, I think, or something, yeah. is what he said. Yeah, he's like, I could do this all day. <laughs> but but you get the sense that he's a lot more, you know, he's a lot more reasonable character, you know. Mm-hmm. And, well, he's cut from the same cloth. He's still sort of, you know, that backwater, you know, possibly kind of racist redneck character. But he at least, you and you get later on in the season that he was a kind of browbeat by his brother you oh know, yeah uh, he loved his brother because he's family but yeah he was always you know taking shit from him he, he so always had to be the little brother right yeah and then when merle left later on he takes the brunt from their father is what you find out in oh, like towards right. in this towards in a three and he's you know he just seems he's He's cut from the same cloth as as Merle, but he is definitely more intelligent and thoughtful, and not as hot-headed, you know. And it might have to do with Merle might be, you know, having a taste for the crystal meth too. That might lead to his personality being a little bit uh, manic. 
<laughs> might we say. Because he gets pissed when uh, Rick chucks out his, uh, his stash. They don't really say what it was. It was quite possibly blue meth, Heisenberg blue meth from Break to Bad. <laughs> which you see in an actual, in an episode coming up. You'll see some actual prop Breaking Bad meth in um, Merle's set. Uh, or, um, well, I guess it was Merle's bike that Daryl has. Oh, yeah, when they're looking. bag. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, actually, somebody has posited the theory, the fan theory, that the timeline of Breaking Bad and Walking Dead, that it could be there's a bad batch of the blue crystal meth and that's what starts the zombie apocalypse oh no <laughs> okay hope <laughs> we, we understand your fan fictions and all that but you know keep it to once upon a time or whatever and then show. i and actually then Sherlock i don't comes want in. that to happen yeah i don't want a breaking bad no. like that it, it's interesting but yeah it's, it's one of those things it, where it's just people on the internet with too much time on their hands coming up with goofy theories. It would be like the end of the, the Newhart show where he woke <laughs> up in the old Newhart show. Oh, um, yeah, and then... From Newhart, then he wife, woke up from Newhart into the Bob Newhart show. And his wife rolls over and eats his brains. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Undead Suzanne Plachette. <laughs> Isn't that the real Suzanne Plachette these days? Uh, <laughs> She's still alive. Uh, I'd like to talk a little about uh, about Shane, especially Shane at the end of the at the end of the uh, show. I mean, come back, Shane! Come back! Oh, yeah. Shane's Sorry, not wrong, coming Shane. back. No. See, this was one of the things that uh, throughout. You know, and we're sort of talking ahead, but throughout the second season, Shane, I think, stuck around too long. I, I thought, you know, you, you could tell from by the end of this season that Shane was a bit unhinged. I mean, yeah, he's he's thought that his friend was dead. His friend comes back. He's been canoodling his friend's wife, and now he doesn't get to do that anymore. So his world's been turned upside down, and he just, you know, granted, you know, Dickweed McZombie Bay was beaten on Carol, but Shane just takes on after him and, you know, pummels him into the dirt. I mean, so much that, you know... get a little of his frustrations out, yeah. Oh, yeah, because now he's a third wheel. I mean, Mm. you... Things are... He was, like I said in the last episode, it was like, everything's gone... The world's gone to shit, but everything else is going Shane's way for once. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, now Shane's the, world's now, gone to shit. Yeah, now Shane's world is gone, and the world has gone to shit. Mm. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it just, yeah, it would be kind of depressing. I mean, because Lori just really goes off the deep end with, you know, you don't talk to Carl, you don't do this. You do. Now, granted, she thinks that Shane lied to her, but she doesn't even give him a chance. She's just a complete... Because she knows that she's wrong with what she's been doing, and now she's turning it all back on him. As uh, and as we'll see in the coming episodes, this is sort of that's sort of um, Laurie's character in in the TV show. She's very reactive and judgmental and quick, you know, quick to start 
you know, complaining and pushing the buttons and, you know, stirring the pot. Yeah. Sort of. It's it's weird because her character was much hated in the comics, but I didn't see it. I did not hate her character. I understood, like, you know, and, and a good chunk of it, her character was pregnant, too. So she was in a zombie apocalypse and pregnant and, you know, what what with all the hormonal stew of that combined with, you know, people trying to eat you, you're going to be a little bit you're not gonna be on your best behavior all the time but in the, the she's not as appealing in the TV show as she is in the she's even like sort of her the actress who plays her is is really pretty but they really like do her makeup to make her look drawn and kind of angular you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I agree with you I never really saw Lori as Manip- manipulative or vindictive as she is right in the in the comic as she is in the TV show. I mean, she really seems to pit you know person against person far off far far more often than I saw her do in the comic. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wasn't really. But again, maybe we didn't you know, see I, that. I guess the portrayal. Hello? Did I lose you? No, I was just waiting for you to go ahead. No, I, well, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, so, um, um, but maybe we didn't see her as bitchy in the comic because Shane was dead. Whereas Shane continues to be a a a sore spot, a you know, a constant reminder of her guilt and how that the kid's not hers. Whereas True. with Shane, Shane dead. It's kind of just left a lie, literally. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like okay, it's done, it's over, and then and, and it's it's really. I mean, in the book, from what I remember, it doesn't really come up. You know, it, I I think it's 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 mentioned, but you know, we get it all through season two. There's in 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 this they confront it at the farm on the TV show. In the comic, it's when they're at the prison, and the gist is the same. Rick's like, I know, but I don't blame you. And, you know, that's the past. Yeah. It's a screwed up world. You know, what are you going to do where people and it's fine. And that that was it was sort of handled. It was very it was dismissed. It was one of those things where they both knew that the other one knew and they, they aired out their laundry. They aired it out fairly quickly, you know. Yeah. But it's left to fester longer in the show, I think. Well, you got and you got Shane. Yeah hovering around in this and I think this was a little bit of the first signs you'll see of Kirkman indulging himself by having a character that he was like okay I had uh, you know I had this character killed off but I really would have liked to explored this and explored this and I had this idea for a scene with him and this and and the TV show gave him a opportunity to do that and and maybe he was like I really like how this actor is doing Shane you know so mm-hmm. you know he 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 really like explored a different avenue of how the whole thing would play out and stretched it out to give him more of an opportunity to enjoy that character and well in a lot of ways I kind of see 
the TV show as a as a what if version of the comic book. You know how how you have the Elseworlds tales in DC and you have what if in Marvel. The show is it's it is it's an its own alternate universe. And I know some people are ah well I don't want to watch that. I want I want to see the comic. Well you know maybe I don't want to see what I've just read. I want something to surprise me and, and something done differently. Well, it gives it's, me those surprises that are the same flavor as the surprises in the comics, which I didn't expect to have with the show. I expected mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this will be this will be fun to see the comics come to life. I was expecting to get more enjoyment out of watching the general public get their taste of that whole storyline. You know, it would be mm-hmm. like making pe- it would be like making the general populace who don't read comics basically read those first fifty Walking Dead comics. And, yeah, I, I was. I'll go ahead, Chris. And I thought that would be a beautiful. So I would have been enjoying that. I would have been enjoying people like, oh, what's and and that to an extent that happened because people latched onto the show the same in the same way as the comics. It was intriguing in the same way as the show is intriguing and involving. So. But it's kept me, you know, there's been some surprises, you know, there's been a few little surprises here, but in the future there's, there's quite a few twists and turns that I didn't see coming and mm-hmm. were great. They were, um, you know, shocking and, and it's just like, all right, I'm participating in this, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm going to get the the hammer blow along with everybody else you know did did you guys by chance see the uh deleted scene from season three um when rick is uh when he was in his hallucination phase and he was going outside the prison and he was seeing Lori, and she was dressed in the white dress and he would go up and he'd talk to her and he'd kiss her there's a deleted scene that I got to see this week where they shot one where they did her up as a zombie where after he, he goes in to kiss her and then he pulls back and she's a zombie and then he freaks out. Ah! Oh, it's it's the... Uh, no, I didn't. I, I, I didn't see that. That'll probably like end up on the... Yeah, kind of. That, that'll probably yeah. end up on like the DVD or the Blu-ray release. Yeah, so. that's that's probably where I think that's where they said that it was pulled off of. But 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 yeah, I mean you know she I mean she's in that she's hot she's in that white dress and and you know he's going in and smooching and it pulls back and it's like oh you know she's got whole all, all her teeth her jaws showing her eyes are all sunken back it's like he's oh, oh. and of course Michonne sees him and he's just falling back and you know flailing around and she's just you know rick's nuts crazy white people (laughs) he's just a crazy white boy meanwhile while she's talking to her own her own ghosts dead boyfriends and (laughs) dead boyfriends and ghosts that's why they can relate but um it's funny it's it's uh this this was the point in the series where i was realizing that it was going to uh deviate a little from the 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 comics um not knowing how much so that it 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 would do that i'm trying to think of any other notable um carol's i also remember seeing this and thinking wow carol is much different oh yeah i totally forgot how how mousy and browbeaten she was yeah and uh you know she's another one who's 
uh, the female characters in this are really very way more now I'm just thinking about this except for Michonne who we've got a while before she shows up but um the female characters pretty very pretty wildly from the comics the ones that make it <laughs> you know for a significant amount of episodes mm. um yeah because carol was a was young she was younger than rick and laurie and she was kind of that stereotypical like crazy girl you know yeah single she was white very... female type where she was trying to like hook up with every guy and yeah she know. was real clingy yep and and kind of stocky and and just coming up with weird crazy ideas and stuff and th and this woman is more of like just a mousy abused housewife mm -hmm. who's who's got a lot of strength because she's probably got to run the house and and raise a kid with you know Bluto you know <laughs> living living in the house you know a powder keg mix six pack living in the house so but at the same time yeah she's beaten down he just orders her around you know and she jumps while you know asking how high while in the air and she misses her vibrator <laughs> oh god yeah well don't don't all women you know wouldn't that be something if you were a female and it was a zombie apocalypse that you'd be missing yeah maybe it's only me well, you, Maybe I need you, don't to think the guys, you don't think the guys are sitting around going, man, if I had 10 minutes alone with a laptop right now in spank, you know, spanktube.com or whatever. There's got to be I'm a server add. up somewhere. Somewhere. The army's got to have one up with at least rudimentary 70s porn on it or something. <laughs> oh, my God. Just give me a magazine. That, anything. That's a skit for some if for some internet. Um, skit group to do is you know the emergency porn broadcast network <laughs> don't worry it's, it's only it's only you know bad 70s Swedish erotica uh, that's the only reason that way that's the only way you could get like all Americans to have some sort of emergency broadcast thing in their house was if they knew that you know there'd at least be a, a channel of porn on it and yeah, it, there's, it, there's a pair of boobs on the screen. It, sorry, I was gonna say it sends out a signal that that you can hook up to your computer that just prints out a little dot matrix set of boobs. Oh, thank <laughs> God! It's all we this, got, but it's something. This is an this is a broadcast of the emergency porn system. If this has been an actual porn emergency, you would have been notified where to go and jack off. That is all. <laughs> Have we found the government, sir? I don't know. They've had the same picture of the same boobs up for the last six months. <laughs> I don't think there's any continuity. See, oddly enough, I think this is uh, one of the things in Anthony Weiner's platform this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Carlos Danger. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't bring up what, Anthony Weiner's platform. <laughs> You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, 
tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf. And you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.